Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Santa H., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater for today. Today is Monday, June 13th, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 69, and we're, we'll begin that first full paragraph that states, we, we review our conduct over the years. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Dana B., the 12 Traditions, Lydia S., and reading the literature today are Deb W. and Janice M. The Share ID for Sunday, June 12, 2016, our special edition meeting titled, After Abstinence, Then What? by Martha Z. is 8818. 8818. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Dana Please read the 12 steps, please. Good morning. This is Dana B. calling from Denver, Colorado, and here are the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thanks for letting me serve. Uh, Kath. And thank you, Dana B. And now I will ask Lydia S. to please read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning, Santa. Thank you, uh, Lydia S. in Fort Worth, Texas. Food addict in recovery, grateful to be here. Here are the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our program, always ensuring principles before personalities. Thanks, Santa. I'll pass. And thank you, Lydia S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on, on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press one, star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 69, the first full paragraph beginning with, we review our conduct over the years, through, reading through two paragraphs ending, neither be lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised or low. And the first paragraph is read for content, and, com- and comments will be focused on the second paragraph read. And I will now ask Deb W. to get us started. Good morning again, Deb. Thank you. Thank you for your service. This is Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma. We reviewed, that, excuse me, we reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt 
that we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness. Where had where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given, therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. And, you know, I think I hear a lot of sponsees, and I know my uh, history, that the sex uh, conduct conduct is probably uh, one of the scariest ones to uh, do for the inventory. Um, I uh, know that my history is far, but it's very, very necessary. It's, it, it brings out things that I've held inside for years and years and years, and that guilt was stored inside also with regards to this uh, history. Um, so I had no idea what a sane and sound ideal uh, for a sex life was. I had no experience that was healthy. I was a young girl whose mother, most of my life, was afraid I was going to get pregnant. That was it. I had no discussion with her about sex. I just had discussion about only the necessary thing uh, that women go through. I, I got into relationships, uh, many of them not even knowing how to have sex. I, I remember having sex with a guy because he was going to war when they were going to service, and this was to help him out, to make him better because he had to have it. Then I went from uh, through several relationships. Um, I was raped and had an adult son. And then um, after that, I took all of that into every every relationship. I took every history, uh, every experience into, and none none of it was healthy. None of it was, you know. Most of the time, I felt guilty. I was afraid to be pregnant. Um, you know, just didn't know what a mature sexual relationship was. And uh, then I got married, and uh, where everything was okay, I didn't. I still didn't understand. Um, I did the inventory, and I was able to write out without any judgment, without any, you know, uh, condemnation, exactly what happened with each one of my sex partners, my history, then I was able to uh, ask God to mold my ideals. I was able to be uh, go from a scared child that went into a relationship or with each interaction uh, with fear. I, I was moving to an adult who made a choice rather have a relationship uh, with each partner or whoever it was. Uh, God, you know, gave us sex for on purpose. It wasn't an accident. I really believe God wants us to enjoy it. But I know that I had to take all the motives that were not um, good motives out of each encounter. 
For instance, with my husband, when I wanted something or when I wanted him to be happy or when I wanted to, you know, change his mood, that that wasn't healthy for me and it didn't work anyway. So um, thank you for listening to me uh, talk this morning. I think I'm still asleep. Thank you so much, Deb W. Thank you for sharing this morning. Um, who would like to comment on what was read? We are commenting on the second full paragraph on page 69. Who would like to comment for approximately three minutes? Paula D. This Shannon. Oh, I heard Paula D. Shannon S. Shannon S. F is in flag, yep. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, well, we get started. There is some background noise, so if you're not sharing, uh, would you please hit star one on your phone so we can have a quiet meeting? And we'll get started this morning with Paula D. Good morning, Paula. And good morning to you, and thank you for your service, Santa Chip, this morning. And this would be Paula D. Recovered by and with the grace of God. Well, we come to these paragraphs, and I know I'm going to zip on to the second one, but before I do, I just want to look at that word that was said. We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Now, what I would like to say, it says reviewed. It doesn't say relive. And when you don't bring shame into it, you can review it. You can review it. And then I want to move on, right on down. We're going to scoot to that paragraph that should be spoken about. In this way, in this way, not with shame, just reviewing it, we try to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life, but it must start in this day. What I would like to look at, again, we ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. I had so many ideals about what my sex life should be like, should be like. But they were my ideals. Now, here's where the transformation takes place. When we ask God to mold, to shape our ideals and help us. So now I've got the ideals. And they're great, by the way, but I can't live up to them on my own. That's what it says. And then God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. And then, again, a little reminder here, and this is what I saw in my life, a reminder to live from today forward, not to go backwards and stay there. No, no more shame. Then I could stand up. Then I could look in the light. But I was always looking in the dark. Well, tell me what you're going to see there. Not very much. But when I brought the light into it, and I saw there's so many, so much programming and so many things in life that I thought were the right way, I thought they were the right way, even though way down deep when we know where God is himself, I knew they weren't. But I want to end with, we remembered always. Sometimes we forget, but look what it says. The words mean more here, that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good. There, it took it away. It wasn't bad. It's just the way I interpreted them. Now, it's God's interpretation. They were good, and they were God-given. Once I could see that, something diminished and something increased. 
neither to be used lightly or selfishly. No. Not to be despised and loathed. If I stayed in that place, that's not a way to live. I thank you for giving me this opportunity to share. And with that, I do pass. And thank you, Paula D. And good morning, Shannon F. Shannon, if you're speaking, we don't hear you. Can you guys hear me now? I sure can. Good morning. Shannon F., compulsive overeater. Um, I learned a lot about relationships um, in this particular part of the book. Um, And one of my favorite sayings is it takes two to tango. So I need to metaphorically kind of see, uh, use metaphors as to seeing how in my life am I not um, doing my part in that dance. So, or maybe I'm directing the dance when it's not meant to go that direction. So for one particular area, I found that I was using relationships um, in a selfish way, and I was using sensuality rather than personality to try and keep a relationship glued together. And I was being selfish because I didn't want to get out of my comfort zone and say no to sensuality because I felt like attracting people based on, like, romantic um, essences was one of my skills in a weird, bizarre way. But at the same time, it was manifesting relationships that weren't serving me spiritually. So I really got to see how, what were my motives in terms of um, attracting the relationship and also in the beginning parts of the relationship, where was I um, looking at romance to keep us together rather than spiritually growing with a person? And I found that, like, God's ideal for me is to find a person to grow with together spiritually, not grow them, um, and not uh, just really do the flirtatious kind of um, soap opera-like relationship, but really is to um, be of service. And if I'm with another person, um, taking a look at um, where am I being selfish on it? Where am I wanting to just get what I want when I want it? Um, and that can be inconsiderate of them. I may be giving them something sexually um, that they instinctually want, but is that being considerate of where they might be vulnerable? Um, So if I'm not laying down boundaries, then I'm, you know, giving fuel to their vulnerable self. So these are some things that I really started to really take a look at, and, you know, where does God want me to be in relation to, to this. Um, at first, I feared I would have to, you know, become a, a, a virgin all over again and join the nun covenant. And now I had to really have a good conversation with God, and God wasn't saying like that was the case. But finding a place of what is going to help me grow the spirit, um, and that may be prolonged um, abstinence from sexual relations, um, to really see what are other people's motives and my own motives. Um, as we start continuing to see each other. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. And thank you, Shannon F. Charles H. Good morning, Charles. Just one moment. Thank you, Charles. Amy G. Amy G. Good morning. Anyone else? Kathy K. Kathy K. 
Anyone else? A lovely form of curiosity and hope. Okay, there is noise on the background. Katie, can you um, please um, clear the lines for us, please? I'll come back in on star one. Okay, um, this is who I have. I have Charles H., Amy G., Kathy K. Is there anyone else that I didn't get? Okay, good morning, Charles. Hi, good morning, Sansa. It's Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, you know, this this is important, and, and it's important for me to remember the train is coming, so it's going to be a little noisy. It's important for me to remember that... Um, I have to, I have to be fearless at this point. And yes, I I was very promiscuous, and my sponsor was like, "Yo, you need to come up with some type of uh, some type of sex idea. You need to live by that shit." Um, I, I said, "God, please help me not be promiscuous anymore." And you know what? Did I harm people? Hell yeah, yeah, I harmed a lot of people. I got fired for, and you know what? I gotta be gut gut wrenching naked. At this part, I need to undress my mind, put it on paper, look at it, and be like, wow, man. Wow, really? And, and, and God, you still brought me through that? Man, it's not even just being promiscuous. Man, I, I, I had a great job back in the day, and, and, and I got fired for sexual harassment. And I ain't scared. And I noticed there's a little hiccup on the line. You know what? Get gl- you don't have to. You know, some people are fear, you know, fear of you know, people finding you out, they know anyway. <laughs> you know, because once you know, you know, right? And once you know the truth, you can't. This is the mob. You know what you done did, right? And you can't change the past, but you can change your, your, your present right now, right? And I know I sound like I'm preaching, but I, I, I said um, I raised a lot of jealousy with my wife, right? And, and um, I said a lot of bad things to a lot of women because I wanted what I wanted, right? Um and I cursed them out when I didn't get it. So all that stuff is, did I arouse jealousy? Did I, did I create harm? Yeah. And, and you, know, you know, I'm glad we had this part of the, uh, there's, no, there's, no, there's no doubt that page 69 is the sex inventory, 6-9, get it? Anyway, but um, there's a lot of work to be done still because it, it, this just brought up some other harms that I ain't even put down in the many inventories that I did. So I'm going to get busy today with pen and paper. With that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Charles H. Good morning, Amy G. Good morning, Santa. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? Perfectly. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much for moderating. Thanks to everyone on the line who shared. So why are we doing this? I mean, we're in, we're in the step four here. We're addressing the sex inventory. And to the newcomers, probably like, why? Well, let's remember, we need a personality change. I need a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery because the same person will eat or drink again. We know that saying in the rooms, and that's certainly the same for me. And we read a couple of pages ago that resentment is fatal and selfishness and self-centeredness, we must get rid of it or it kills us. So in this area of sex, I can say for me, I certainly had issues of selfishness in my sex conduct, you know, and I also had deep resentment as well. So I had to treat it just like every other problem that I was addressing in my 
in my um, sex inventory as well as the others. It's just another problem that I needed to deal with. I mean, this is a lifetime process. It talks about it in the 12 and 12 in the fourth step. You know, this is the beginning of a lifetime process of self-introspection about my behaviors. And part of that means going back and taking a look. And I and, and like others have said about just trying to, to be a little bit uh, detracted from the emotions of it, of the shame and the guilt. I mean, there's no doubt there was plenty of that going on as well. I either placed myself in a position to be a victim or I abused myself. This was for me personally. And, I mean, there's a lot of issues and emotions around sex, but I had to sort of detach from it and put it down on paper. And that was one of the things that was so helpful was to have it down on paper. It allowed me to sort of detach from it better and to go through it with the sponsor. This is not something that I go through alone. I address this with the sponsor. And it says it's neither to be used lightly or selfishly nor be loathed or despised. And for me, that's indicative of balance. What I'm looking for is some sort of balance. It's not all one extreme or the other. And for me as a compulsive overeater, that was difficult for me to find. And certainly in active compulsive overeating, I didn't have any balance whatsoever. So it was either all or nothing. And so as I address this on paper with a sponsor, I pray and I ask for God to give me a proper perspective and others give me feedback who are recovered on a proper perspective and I am able to let go and continue to transform in this program. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Kate, Amy G. Good morning, Kathy Kay. Thank you, Santa, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy Kay, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, and I wanted to say now that we're reading this that um, this was the most difficult inventory for me to do. Um, I just uh, had never, ever considered these questions in my life. I thought... Um, I had been, I had already been married for 29 years when I did this sex inventory, and my sponsor asked me to go back either even further than that. So I really did a very, very thorough review. And like others have said, it was so necessary for me to put aside the shame and guilt in order to do a thorough inventory. Um, for me, uh, my selfishness just came to the fore. I had no idea that selfishness was a motive of mine until I started writing answers to these questions and saw that every relationship that I had was for the purpose of making me feel good. Um, making me feel secure, uh, making me feel attractive. And it didn't matter if I were inconsiderate or dishonest um, or if I aroused jealousy or bitterness. So it was uh, quite an awakening for me. And um, even today, I, uh, I revisit my sex ideal um, every couple of years, uh, and it really helps me to reconsider 
these questions if I need to, but also just to really pray and write and check in with God about my ex ideal. I'm just grateful that we have. And with that, I'll. And thank you, Kathy Kay. And we're going to move on to the next two paragraphs. I will ask Janice M. if she would please read on page 69, beginning with the third paragraph that says, whatever our ideals turn out to be, and to read through two paragraphs that ends with, we avoid hysterical thinking or advice, and comments will be on both paragraphs. Good morning, Janice. Well, good morning to you, Santa, and everyone. Can you hear me okay, Santa? Perfectly. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Yes, and my name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Whatever our, whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow towards it. We must be willing to make amends where we have harmed, where we have done harm, provided that we do not bring about still more harm in doing so. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with other persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Okay, whatever our ideal turns out to be, we have to be willing. And, and, and what, is, what does that mean? There's that word again. I have to be willing. If I'm doing certain behaviors, you know, I have to be willing to change. I have to be willing to not do that behavior anymore, whatever it has to do with sex, you know, Otherwise, you know, it's not going to happen because um, believe me, in my experience, I've tried certain things to avoid and not do and keep it. And, uh, you know, I didn't uh, get the uh, spiritual awakening. Um, and, and it says if we've done harm, we have to make amends. But we're not going to do, we're not going to be free of ourselves. Oh, I got to tell so-and-so, I got to tell so-and-so if it's a, you know, if we have infidelity, you're going to tell the wife and all that. You don't have to just for your own um, release. You have to know. And this is why we need a sponsor here for guidance. Because I know I wanted to do certain actions and do certain dimensions. She says, oh, no, you don't do that. And, um, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, I listened to her. And how do we, what is the solution here? What's the solution? What is the ideal anyway? Um, it was said, which I love, my ideal, or is it God's standard of living? That's where the secret is. It's God's standard of living. That's what I have to grow towards. Like uh, was so beautifully said in, in our shares that, you know, it was my standard. Well, my standard was to, to, to make myself feel better. My ideal was to, you know, for emotional security and my self-esteem, um, I had to do this. That's my ideal, but of course, that's not God's ideal. God's ideal is us to grow towards his ideal. We're never going to be perfect, 
you know, whatever his ideal is, we're not going to be perfect. It's going to be progress. And when it says we ask who, we didn't ask my mother, didn't ask my father, we ask God. He's the one that's going to tell us what we can do, and he's the one that's going to uh, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And, um, you know, you can ask this one and that one, and everybody has different ideas about sex. But uh, between you, your sponsor, and your God, your higher power, the answers will come and you will change. And uh, this, this does happen uh, because how do I, do I believe it? No, I know it. I know it because it happened to me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Janice M. And who would like to comment on either of these paragraphs that was just read? Suji. Judy F. Suji. Katie F. Judy F. Amy. Judy F. Okay. Amy E. Okay, I have Suji, Judy F., and Amy E. Did I miss anyone? Okay, good morning, Suji. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, this is Suji from Michigan. I had a, an email that gave the difference between willingness and trying. Um, and when I see this word willingness pop up, I immediately, my mind goes to this comparison. Um, we have to be willing to grow toward it. If I'm trying, I'm doing it in my own power. But if I'm willing, then I'm doing it and letting God doing it. I'm doing it in God's power. And that's why we have to go to God to ask him um, what he would have us to do about each specific matter. Because he's really the only one. We can get guidance from our sponsor about about making amends and, and what we should do. But the bottom line, as in anything, it says treat this as anything else. Um, the bottom line is between us and God. We can take that to our sponsor and say, you know, this is what I think I heard from God. You know, this is what I think God wants me to, to do. What do you think? You know, do you agree? But um, when I did my um, sex conduct the first time, it was scary. There were things on there. There was one thing on there that I probably could have gone to jail for. And, um, and, and that was scary. I thought, am I going to give this to my sponsor? Am I, am I going to give it to my pastor? You know, who? And I thought, I've given everything else to my sponsor, so I might as well just give this to her. And I did. But I'm, you know, I found out it's not just our actions. It's our thoughts. Um Still to this day at 73, when I see a good-looking ball player in the uniform, you know I don't, you know I don't drool over him, but you know I recognize, uh, I still recognize something that I would have recognized if I were in my 20s or 30s, and uh, I have to, I have to be careful with that because um, who knows. Some 30-year-old might come along and, and show an interest in me and want to be a con artist. And and for some weird reason, I might respond to that. I can't imagine, but who knows? Anything is possible. So um, 
So I ask in meditation what I should do about each specific thing, and the right answer will come if I want it. Um, so we have to want the answer. We have to be willing to listen for his answer and be willing to follow through on it. With that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Sue G. And good morning, Judy F. Good morning, Santa. It's Judy F., uh, compulsive overeater, recovered, and grateful in Massachusetts. And good morning, everyone. Uh, oh, let me just set my clock here. Okay. So I, I really appreciate um, the big what I learned from the big book. Um, you know, each part of this fourth step had me in writing lay out um, really inventory my thoughts, my perceptions, um, you know, underneath uh, what came before the action that um, were where I was disturbed or the relation, in this case, the relationships that, you know, just to look at relationships and sexual relationships, anything around sex. And so I put it down on paper. Then it gives us questions, and that helps us to turn things around to look at myself. And then um, in every part, it has a place where we pray. Um, You know, we ask, in this case, the prayer is in meditation. We ask God what we should do about each specific matter. And then there's a promise. The right answer will come, but a condition is if we want it, Uh, just like we can be recovered, but the condition is that I'm on a spiritual basis, that I'm, um, I'm in such spiritual condition that I rely on God. And this was teaching me over and over um, on depending on God and going to God for um, every situation, every negative situation, even every positive. And, and in this case, in every relationship, to go bring God. God is the third because I can't on my own come up with this. I need God. And... Um, and that I need that desire to do God's will if we want it. So it's the desire to do God's will, not my will. And it, so it's bringing me from self-centered thinking to God, other-centered with a capital O, God-centered, and then into other-centered, into others. And I'm just so grateful the way over and over I have practiced in doing that, in looking at myself, my part in every situation, and then going to God for the um, for that change, for that spiritual awakening, that personality change, and we do this um, with another person as well. Um, where it says to counsel, sometimes my thinking is off. Many times my thinking is off, but um, I first go to God and then I check it out with another person. So with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Judy S. And good morning, Amy E. Good morning, Santa H. Good morning, Vision for you, Amy E. in Ohio. Grateful recovery, compulsive eater. Boy, this sex inventory is, it can really be a doozy. Um, uh, given that, especially when I was young, so many of my encounters were fueled by um, alcohol and compulsive eating, um, waking up with people I didn't know and uh, feeling a lot of shame and guilt. And um, 
and 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 I love this idea and what we've been talking about is is God molding our new ideal because I had an ideal that was shaped by Glamour magazine and Cosmopolitan and um, thought that I was uh, that I was uh, supposed to be sleeping with a lot of people to prove my um, my beauty and my worth. And it's been a long, long road to know that um, um, proving my beauty and my worth means uh, less sexiness rather than more sexiness. Um, And body image comes into this. I mean, this is the bane of every compulsive overeater's existence, right? Uh, um, How we look naked. how we identify ourselves as sexual beings, um, how we put our sexuality out to the world, and how people respond to that. Holy cow, that led me to the food faster than anything because I wanted that weight as a barrier against your gaze, the the male gaze, somebody looking at me longingly and and, uh, with desire. That was so frightening to me. And then Bill gives us a little hint, neither to be loathed or... um, tossed about lightly. Um, that's, that gives me some idea to shoot for. And then from there, it's really just uh, really working with the sponsor to uh, get down to what would God have me be and getting real, real quiet. And it can be very, very difficult when doing this and then coming up with each situation, right? How am I to respond to this man or this woman? expressing an interest in me, how am I to respond? Um, I work with a lot of sponsees about getting real, real, real quiet. Um, That's where a lot of prayer and meditation and working 10, 11, and 12 can help you find that ideal and then respond to each situation as it happens. Um, But it starts with putting pen to paper and asking some difficult questions. Um, and again, to be working 10, 11, and 12 while you're doing this so that you don't get stuck in remorse and self-pity. Thank you. I pass. And thank you, Amy E. And who else likes to comment on what was read? Kim G. Good morning, Kim. Anyone else? Sarah W. Sarah W. Anyone else? Sally. Sally A. Katie F. Katie F. Okay, thank you. All right, good morning, Kim G. Good, good morning, Santa. I'm sorry, I'm on vacation. I hope my dogs aren't going to bark here. I just wanted to talk about this word ideal because that's really confused me. When I said, okay, well, I have to look at my ideal. That was kind of easy for me because I'm not on vacation right now and I've seen two Brad Pitt movies and that kind of shows my ideal, you know, tall, blonde, lanky, blue eyes. But what I, I learned from, from this, this, this um, uh, inventory is that it's not about what I want in a partner. That's not the ideal they're talking about. They're talking about who do I want to be as a partner, not what kind of boyfriend I want, but what kind of girlfriend do I want to be. And that turned around the idea of what this is. So there's three prayers there. First, I'm going to ask God into creating an ideal. Then I'm going to ask what we just talked about now, what to do in each specific matter. 
Then on page seven, when sex is troublesome, I'm going to ask God in to earnestly pray about that. And I'm just going to shoot ahead because once we learn this skill set of four through nine, is I really consider these relationship prayers. So what I did was in my 10 and 11 is I looked at what is my ideal with my mother. Not what kind of mother I need her to be, but what kind of daughter do I want to be? And I went through that with all my relationships, and I continue to, to ask for these ideals to be changed. So this is a practical matter. For example, in the fall, we had someone at my office who, um, who was diagnosed with cancer and had to go out on disability, and I was made the supervisor of her department. So I had to do multiple ideals. I had to do an ideal as a supervisor. I've never done that before. I had to do an ideal with my current coworkers because my relationship with them has changed because now I was a supervisor. I had to do a new ideal with my boss because now we had a new relationship now that I was privy to information that I wasn't privy to before because I was a supervisor. And I had to ask God into those ideals as those situations changed. And when the woman came back from, from um, her cancer treatment, I had to redo all the ideals again. So for me, Taking these prayers and putting them in practical application for all my relationships has been so effective in helping me have, have relationships in general. And for me specifically, again, in step 11, one of the lines I love is we, at the end of step 11, we ask for God's forgiveness and we ask what corrective measures should be taken. And often what those corrective measures are is I look at my ideals. How am I dealing with my ideal relationship with my mother? at my job, with my dogs, with my friendships, with romantic relationships. And what those corrective measures are is how do I work more towards that ideal that I have with my higher power. So it's very important for me to look at what is the ideal is not what I want from other people, but who do I want to be in each of these relationships. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim G. And good morning, Sarah W. Good morning, Santa. Thank you for your service today. It's so good to hear you. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And people slow down when they talk. People are talking so quickly. I can't. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my perspective on this is very similar to what was just spoken about. Um, I am 59. I am a married woman. And the first thing I need to do for me when I start working on this is to say the set-aside prayer. You know, God, please help me set aside everything I think I know about myself, my disease, my brokenness, my spiritual path, these 12 steps, and especially you, dear God. I pray for an open mind and a new experience with all these things. Please help me see the truth, to know the truth. And then, um, as I said, I'm 59 years old. I'm a married woman. Um, for me, um, and it's amazing how sometimes exactly what you're going to say comes out in the previous year. It's funny. But I was going to say that I have to look at how I'm going to, how can I be in this relationship to each person, to a sponsee, to, you know, uh, who would God have me be? And the alignment I have to have is with that. And that may be very different than what your alignment is with your sponsee. 
I really have to listen. And I love the fact that it says we must. We must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm. And I like on the very end of the last paragraph that we just read, it says we avoid hysterical thinking or advice. For me, um, it's not only the way I looked at uh, my relationships sexually uh, with the actual acts, but how I looked at women, you know, the jealousy and insecurity I felt when I saw other men looking at other women and thinking that they were more attractive than myself. I remember it as a 16-year-old girl. I would entice the men over, but the men would go with my friends. And, you know, is that serving, you know, the idea behind this whole thing is how can I be useful to God and others? And that's my prayer. How can I be useful to God and others? Help me do that. And the last thing I want to say is I think it really is very important uh, that we maintain abstinence during this process, if possible, if possible. Uh, because I think there's a there's a huge clarity that comes about. And when people are going through it again, which many of them do, because they've done it many years ago and they're looking to do it again, it's what comes up in the moment. That's a reminder. And so um, I am very grateful to be here on the line. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa. And thank you, Sarah W. And good morning, Sally A. Good morning, Santa. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey. So I, I love the way this is written in the sense that it's giving us an instruction. It's all about instruction. This is not about telling us what's the right kind of sex or the wrong kind of sex. They're just giving us instructions so that we can, we can do what has to be done to help to alleviate the pain that people have because they're carrying around all kinds of guilt and shame related to some of the deepest emotional relationships that we've ever had in our life. These things are like have burned and seared the wall of our minds with these memories. And so they have to be dealt with in a very specific way. So we start out by talking about our ideals and how it, and it is important to set ideals. It's very helpful to set boundaries and to set ideals. I never had any boundaries. You know, oh, you want me? Oh, okay, I want you back. It was never, let me think, it was never, there was no pause. Um, so when we talk about ideals and stopping to figure out what exactly do I consider a must in a relationship, in a healthy relationship, what, what do I consider to be something that I need? And this is, this is very helpful what they're asking us to do here. It says we must be willing to make amends where we have done harm. This is not about confession. This is not a strictly a confession. This is about owning up to I've harmed someone. I always kind of marvel that in these pages we don't have um, anywhere. It doesn't talk about using people because that to me was a big aspect of the sex powers, um, my sex powers, was using people to get what I wanted. Because for me it was a lot to do with manipulation 
and um, a lot to do with getting what I wanted, what I needed, and not being concerned with, with anyone else's emotions, um, and a lot of harm was done as a result of that. Um, at the next paragraph, God alone can judge our sex situation. Um, I think this is really important because I think it's important for everyone to read it and to understand that my sponsor is not there to judge me. And my my sponsor, and I'm not there in the, in the taking of someone's fifth step to judge them. And to, be all, to be honest with you guys, I've taken some fifth steps that just absolutely cracked me up. I couldn't even believe what people have thought of. I could not just hold in my laughter like, wow, I can't believe you thought of that. Um, some very creative minds on this planet. It just amazes me. But it's not my job to judge anyone, and nobody should be judging me either. And I think that this is what they're talking about here. They're, they're teaching us how to be good listeners and to be very cautious about what we say in response. And ending with this sentence, we avoid hysterical thinking. Wow, how could you do that? I mean, it's very important. Or advice. It's so important that we stay out of the judgment seat. Over and over, they're telling us that. Reminder. We let God be, thanks, thank you. We let God be the final judge. And so I see this as an instruction manual. Manual as a good listener, and to be very cautious in any comments that are made during this part of the inventory. Thanks for letting me share with Aritas. And thank you, Sally A. And good morning, KDS. Good morning. This is KDS, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia, and I see that we um, are just about out of time, which, you know, I don't know about the other 200 people on the line, but, you know, I'd rather just talk for about 30 seconds about sex anyway, because that was my whole problem was that I didn't talk to anybody about this stuff. And I had so much guilt, shame, remorse, and all of those things, um, because I had not uh, talked about it much growing up. I didn't grow up in a home where um, I had two parents who, you know, had a normal sex, sex life. Um, my parents were divorced when I was very young. And so it was very much a big, fat mystery for me. So I think the thing that I want to focus on is where it says um, uh, counsel with persons is often desirable because that is the thing that has helped me so much. Um, I've been ma- married now for 21 years, um, and in recovery, uh, and I have, you know, a healthy, a healthy life today. But in uh, disease and in my 20s and in my teens, this was such a uh, loaded problem. And I thought that it was all, um, I just was so confused. That's all I can say. And so that's what these steps do is they untangle all of that confusion bring it all out into the light, and it doesn't have to be, um, I'm no longer ashamed. And that is the beauty of it. And um, we're out of time, so with that, I'll pass. And thank you, Katie F. And thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for the second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. 
Will Nicole F. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Keep you until then. Hi, this is Nicole S. I'm a recovered um, compulsive reader from Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.